0: Welcome to The Board, a podcast series on mechanical keyboards by the mechanical keyboard community. Proudly brought to you by Idea23, awesome caps at great prices. Kibio, the place for split keyboards. DIY keyboards, get cracking. And Daily Clack, Australia's enthusiast's mechanical keyboard store. Hello, Ert. How are you? Howdy. I'm doing great. Now, for those who are listening today, uh, you probably would have seen by the actual title of today's episode is, it's a one-on-one. Now, we actually haven't had one of these for quite a while now, especially since uh, my co-host, Kevin, so Cheddar, uh, has sort of left the show to focus a bit more on his career. So, uh, you are actually very, very lucky uh, because yeah, you're you're kind of the the icebreaker again for these one-on-one interviews. Great. Now, a little bit of background on my uh, session today here with Ert is that a long time ago, and I still have this offer out available. Our community and our listeners can always email us with requests for topics and suggestions of people to talk to, and. One of our listeners, I believe his name is, uh, let me have a look, Campbell. So Campbell sent through and said, hey, it would be nice if you could interview the guys at Oki Caps. And uh, I was like, sure, have a look at it. Sent me the Discord link and I got in contact with Ert. So there we are. We are going to be talking about Oki Caps today as well as whatever it is that comes up in our keyboard interview. So, Ert, how about you give us, give me, our listeners, uh, a bit of a, a rundown on your keyboard history and your keyboard journey, I guess, more of a how did you get into keyboards, uh, what was it that you felt was interesting about it and has kept you in that keyboard space, how long you've been in it, those kind of things.
1: Okay. Well, quite some time ago, uh, pretty close to eight years, I was transitioning from a um, computer repairman to more of the IT crowd, more of the programming, and just a lot more typing. And I noticed pretty quickly that on your typical $5 Dell uh, keyboard, I was starting to get some really bad pain to the point where I was starting to get um, what a lot of people would classify either as carpal tunnel or, or RSI. And I was concerned about it. So I went and started looking at a lot of the more ergonomic type of uh, keyboards and settled on a Microsoft Sculpt for quite some time. And that lasted me for for well, about four years or so. Um, I liked it. It was comfortable. But what I noticed was that quite a few of my keys, uh, the keycaps specifically, were only being worn and uh, many of the keys were not being worn. And I was like, well, that's just kind of weird. And I noticed that my left hand was being a lot more favored than my right hand and just quite a few other little things that was making programming uncomfortable. Uh, and I didn't want to spend a couple thousand dollars on surgery, and I started looking for alternative designs for keyboards. Uh, one reason was that the Enter key stopped working on my Microsoft Sculpt, and I wanted to buy another keyboard, uh, something that would last a little bit longer than two or three years and i found the kinesis advantage too not only was it super unique but it also offered a lot more uh, customizability when it came to um, the keys that i'm strongest with or that i use more frequently i wanted to be able to put them on a specific finger so that i could use my hands a little more evenly and I noticed after typing, I just impulse bought one, to be honest with you. I was like, well, it's $300, but I really need something because this pain is horrible. And uh, so like I said, I impulse bought it and it took me about a month to get proficient at it. But once I started feeling comfortable, I really I really enjoyed this, the sound of it, the feeling, the feedback. Um, <laughs> I bought on Browns, not really knowing if I liked linear or clicky or or a tactile. I just went with whatever was most common. Uh, and then from there, uh, we were talking, you know, as, as us nerds do. And we were like, you know, I think we want a 3d printer. And one of uh, my coworkers, uh, who also works at Oak key caps now with me as a builder, uh, he had found that you could make keyboards, you could 3d print keyboards and then hand wire them and, uh, you know, have yourself a keyboard that you can, officially say I built this and a lot of people would be astounded by that and you know so you could give yourself a pat on the back (laughs) so we set out for that Uh, we bought the 3d printer I printed off mine uh first and started hand wiring it and it was a mess it had many bugs (laughs) in it and uh, I I remember quite some time uh, it was like for two or three months afterwards I was still working on all the kinks in the keyboard uh and periodically throughout the day you would hear me slam my keyboard my right hand keyboard (laughs) on the desk because like either the semicolon would stop working or an entry key stopped working or some of my other function keys just stopped working and it only seemed to fix it if I just beat the entire keyboard on the desk a couple two three times <laughs> and all the keys would start working again and I was like great <laughs> I took that keyboard apart so many times to resolder some of the connections on there and uh, actually it wasn't until about two three weeks ago that I finally took the time to uh, now that I have much more experience building those type of keyboards uh, to solder it up properly and get rid of the the weird coated wires in there. But <laughs> anyway, that's been my uh, extended journey. Uh, since then, I've discovered that I like a lot heavier feeling, quieter type of keyboards. I, I really like the the heavy switches. Um, and oddly enough, I just recently discovered that I kind of like the the box jade ones. I know that's kind of off topic sort, sort of, but...
0: No, no, it's not off topic
1: uh, at all. <laughs> someone from Keycast ordered uh, some box jades. They're like uh, 75 gram uh, clicky, uh, keycap, and I, I always hated them, but I was comparing them to like the, the cherry blues or the Gatoron greens, and this one just had a lot more of a thud. And then something about that thud, that that uh, what, like if I'm aggressively typing, or like I just really want something about just hearing that, that satisfying thud just made me feel good about typing, or if, if I was typing a really strongly worded email, <laughs> I really wanted to get my point across to the entire <laughs> workspace that I'm in.
0: <laughs> okay, so. I guess the first comment I have is, I hope you were able to claim that $300 back on tax for that Kinesis Advantage too.
1: (laughs) No, I didn't. I didn't think about it.
0: (laughs) Well, well, uh, because my own journey into mechanical keyboards has certainly not been as long as yours uh, because I've only been in for about five years. Yeah, about five years. Uh, And similarly, so it was for work. And I bought a Ducky One Legend. Sorry, a Ducky Legend, not a Ducky One. Uh, It's actually still around and I've lent it to my brother now because he's actually looking for something a bit better than also the uh, $8 rubber dome keyboard that you get with typical builds. Now, so that's been really interesting in that you have personally come in from a space where injury and pain has been the primary driver for your shift into this space. Um, Since then, have you actually had any reoccurrence of that same degree of discomfort and pain moving to you know custom ergo keyboards
1: definitely not to the same extent uh i definitely didn't let it go to the to the same point of pain before i started trying to research what i was doing wrong i did notice that on one of the the keyboards that we make the the ManiForm six by six i noticed that when i had to reach up to the top layer uh, which is primarily dedicated to the uh, function keys, which isn't normal for a lot of these type of builds. I noticed that was starting to cause me pain. And so like within a week or two, I decided to stop using those as much and to dedicate them to less often used keys. So I wouldn't have to constantly stretch. So that was, that was one thing that I noticed. Uh, but as for the same amount of pain where I'd have a complete numb arm, no, not even close. Um, like I said, to at this point, I just let the once I, I start having difficulty opening up my hand, um, I then just let it ice, stretch it out real good, and then try to figure out which key combination I'm using that is causing me pain and discomfort, and then switch it.
0: Sure, sure. Now, I personally have never got to that level of discomfort. You know, I might get tired typing extensive, you know, report writing and analyses and things like that in my own personal workspace. I use just a, a standard sort of quirky layout. Now, my own ergonomic keyboard, the down bubble design, and I don't expect you to have ever seen it, um, it's a, a split keyboard design with a five degree rotation um, on either hand. So it's kind of like the Kinesis uh, with a numpad in the middle. Now, I've previously used Box Navy switches, which are quite heavy. They're 90 gram spring. Uh, yeah. And with a thick click bar. And I've had tiredness in my forearms but never to the point of pain but I also don't type very fast so you know I only sort of kick around the 80-90 words per minute on a regular basis only getting up to 100-110 in bursts as required similarly kind of what you're saying you know if there's a angry or very intense kind of email that needs to be written at high speed <laughs> would I be getting into that space <laughs> um, now with with your your current situation you've mentioned you know people at work and then also joining uh keycaps is that actually the same space like is is caps a i suppose a spin off of your current work environment are you dedicated 100% to i'm I'm imagining that you're not a full time caps uh employee or or what's the situation there what is exactly keycaps
1: <laughs> That's a great question. So keycaps is ran by uh, a gentleman named Dan who lives in Chicago, Illinois in the United States. And I'm not sure why he started the company, but I think it's a great initiative. I think it's one that I, I really hope that manufacturers start catching on to that, uh, you know, more and more people need better designed keyboards. We need to break away from your typical straight layout, which is having uh, some pronation issues and just other Commonly well-known uh, problems that we get from typing. You know, we we've, we have 3D modeling, we have all these different technologies, and we still are, are using the same old keyboard that was used on typewriters from way back when. So, uh, like I said, he he started the, up the company, and uh, he just used a typical Shopify website, uh, put up a couple of designs on there. Uh, there's a very talented 3D printer, uh, Crystal Hand, who is on Reddit. Uh, He has some very interesting designs and has probably printed more keyboards than I have ever seen or heard. I don't know that he's actually used most of the cases that he used. I think he was mostly using it for learning purposes. Uh, But because of the time and effort that Crystal Hand has put into making these, uh, the cases for these keyboards, they are now um, much better than what the original design was by both Adareth and T-Short. Uh, for the manuform and the dactyl, mm-hmm. I, I forget I forget which which user made which keyboard, but he's taken them uh, quite quite away from where they are. Uh, now, my interest in old keycaps came about when I was just curious if somebody else sold the dactyl style keyboard, and I kind of periodically checked here and there over the years uh, because I was getting tired of making them myself. I was on like my third build, I think third or fourth build. Of making them. Uh, but mind you, that's 3D printing it myself, buying all the materials whenever they got to be somewhat inexpensive <laughs> and after the third or fourth one my wife's like you're spending way too much on this I'm like yeah yeah you might have a point um so i reached out to their discord link and I just asked if they needed another builder or wanted another hand because it would save me hundreds of dollars a month <laughs> if i could build for them instead of build for myself uh, plus i didn't need another keyboard at the time uh, i still don't really <laughs> but it still doesn't stop me um, so yeah, that's, that's my, I'm a part-time employee with them. Uh, I wouldn't even call it, it's not really an employee status. It's more of a contractor status. Uh, they send me a keyboard and all the components that I need to put it together. So I assemble the keyboard, uh, wire it all up and test it out for, I usually test it out for about two days. Um, I like to leave it plugged in overnight. I wrote a program so that fantastic. monitors the Yes, uh, I give a. I, I let it sit overnight with nobody touching it, including hopefully the animals. <laughs> and I wrote a program that shows me visually if any of the keys were pressed, because uh, in the past, some of the materials that we used uh, would short out and, and make the the keys being registered even though nobody's touching it. Yep. I like to call those uh, phantom key presses. And then we'd have, then I'd use a full day of testing it, using it for work, and um, giving it the full rundown. Since I used the the keyboard in a fairly even way, not perfect, but well enough, I believe. Uh, And once I'm satisfied with that it's working properly and I'm getting no dead keys or no sticky keys, uh, then I just basically (laughs) slap my label on it and ship it off to the customer.
0: Okay, so are you also located in, I I think from our email conversations, you're also in the Chicago region?
1: Yep, I'm pretty close to there. I'm actually in the neighboring uh, state, uh, Indiana, but it's, it's only an hour's drive for me to reach Illinois. Right. In fact, Dan and I have met up before. Um, we just drove halfway. I drove, I think, 45 minutes one way and he drove the opposite direction for 45 minutes and we met in the middle, as it were.
0: Oh, okay. Cool. So so you're kind of, as you said, like a contractor in that you get shipped the, the entire kit and then you do that assembly and build and whatnot, do your testing, yes, sir. but then it gets drop shipped from you direct to the customer? Correct. Okay. Well, that's pretty cool. I think that that works really well, and I guess it saves the extra cost of it having to go back to Dan, and then from Dan, outbound. Yep. So, how many keyboards then, how many of these ergonomic customs, as it were, do you think you've actually put together and sent out over the period that you've been with (laughs) OkieCats? So, I haven't
1: been with them for very long, uh, but I have built... Uh, if I can remember correctly, I think I've built four, including the, the user that, that sent an email to you. Uh, I built his. He had a nice, comfortable <laughs> keyboard that made me miss my purple one, which is what prompted me to rebuild my my first build. Um, but yeah, I believe that makes f- oh, oh, five. That's right. Uh, the one sitting on my desk right now I just finished uh, with. i got to test it for a full day yet, but uh, it's all assembled and ready to go. Okay. And then plus the additional... Let's see, I built two Manuform 6x6s six for myself, one dactyl, two dactyls. Uh, so I guess it makes eight, eight or nine total.
0: <laughs> okay, well, that's, that's certainly a, a good number of boards. Now, with these builds and whatnot, are you, do you have the visibility on if OKCAP's customer base is primarily, you know, KONUS, or is it more international or quite evenly spread?
1: I wouldn't... Uh... I've noticed that there are definitely more domestic uh, shipping for the United States, but we have shipped to Australia, and I think we have another shipment to Australia. Uh, I've seen one for Japan being shipped over there, uh, and I don't, I don't have a full record of all the different customers who have bought and where I got to ship them to. Uh, but on the Trello board that we use, uh, we right. mark it as domestic or, or, um, or international. Inter- international, yeah. yeah. And only, only like two or three of them are international right now, and the rest are, of the, I think, 19 older orders in total, three of them are international. I could be off by a couple, but that's pretty close.
0: Okay. Now, I've built a number of hand wired boards. Uh, the first one I built took me forever, and it was only a 40% Seabright from uh, <laughs> Alex at Pank. And then I've gone from doing a hand-wired 40% to a hand-wired 100% standard. It was just a Philco Magistouch 1 that the PC had had some corrosion issues and I couldn't get the wire jumps to work. So I rebuilt that completely from scratch to a hand-wired version of my my ergonomic down-bubble keyboard in a 3D printer case. So I'm, I'm very sort of familiar in that space that you operate in. What's the normal build time for you just so that you know if people who are listening to this They've got their own 3d printers and they want to print their own case because the the files are pretty much open source now aren't they?
1: Uh, they are but the the ones that crystal hand has worked on I don't think that he has those published but he said the last time I asked him about it. He said that uh, Occasionally he does send out a revision to uh, To his STL files. I'm, I'm not sure where he hasn't posted though I did go looking one time but didn't look for very long Sure. Sure. Uh, but the but the ones that are currently out there uh, for the for the dactyl, the one I printed, um, if I remember correctly, it took twenty hours for the top on both sides, so that was forty hours just for the tops, and then we had the bottom cases, which were an additional fifteen hours of print time, and then the palm rest, which was an additional eight hours. Uh, so that was just printing time. Thankfully. Uh, once you print the tops, you can start wiring it up while the the bottoms are printing as well. Mm-hmm. And it takes – well, it took me uh, a month to wire up my first one. And since then, I now – let's see. i got to think about this. I can get all of the Amoeba PCBs. I can get all the diodes in uh, for a 72-key keyboard, the, which is the Manuform 6x6. I can get that. Uh, those 72 keys in about an hour all of the diodes put in and then it takes me an additional probably good 5 to 10 hours i, I know it's a pretty big variance but it depends upon my distraction level <laughs> <laughs> to, to, to get all the rows and the columns <laughs> soldered up uh, and then it only takes maybe maybe 2 hours to get the to go from the rows and the columns and uh, run the wires to go to the P C B. Now lately I've I've introduced using DuPont connectors to go from the amoebas to the to the PCB. I've been finding that some of the quality of the pro micros that we've been getting are pretty low. And it's not uncommon to have like a dead pin or to have them just do weird erratic things. And it's a lot easier for me to just solder another set of headers yep. onto another amoeba. Or <laughs> onto another amoeba. Onto another pro micro or elite C.
0: Okay. And yep replace it now you've just mentioned what a, a, a dupont connector is i don't know what that is can you explain for us what a dupont connector is sure it
1: is the female connector that you're most familiar with about using to plug in um like uh, to plug in on your motherboard uh so on, like on the on the motherboard itself you have a lot of male pins sticking up uh for instance like your 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 hard drive light or your power button or your reset button it's just oh. that small little square connector okay, that right. you use
0: yeah, so so it's kind of um, like a the header socket. that, yes. that the pro marks exactly go it. into if you are actually putting it onto a, a hot swap type of situation.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yes, and that's why I use it. <laughs> it's for the hot swap capability. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny you mention that because I did exactly the same thing for my down bubble because it uses the AT um, twelve ninety USB, the Teensy two plus plus clone. Yes. And I only had one of them at home at the time, but I had all these header strips. And so I actually wired my matrix to the header strip so I could unjack it and, you know, reflash it and stuff like that. Um, And I cut myself up so badly on those pins because those... The ends of those pins are so sharp.
1: <laughs> yeah, I got a couple of nicks on my uh, on my knuckles trying to squeeze it into the <laughs> to, to where the PCBs go, and yeah.
0: <laughs> so <laughs> and then, they've done that. So so I find it really interesting that you've gone. Or now now this is a question on, uh, is it a standard that the company Oki Caps has asked you to do or is this a personal preference and choice like because my thought around this space is if you're building it in a particular way and you're choosing to use these DuPont connectors and the Amoeba and stuff like that if somebody purchased one that you built as opposed to one that somebody else built what is going to be the comparison between them will they be like hang on a moment how come that guy's got a either better or a worse quality build because they've got different components
1: yeah uh, uh, so that does that can break down into multiple answers. Uh, the short answer is that, yes, I do build it slightly differently than, uh, some of the other builders that are, uh, working with us. For instance, um, uh, Kyle, who is my coworker from before, who also just recently started, uh, he just hardwires the, the microcontroller to the Amoebas. I don't find it any worse or better because also we go like once the, once we slide the pro micro or the elite c into its spot we also have to hot glue it because that'd be really annoying to have to plug it in and and <laughs> in, in goes your pro micro into your keyboard now you got to take it apart and to, yep. to slide it forward just to plug it in yep. uh, especially if you travel every day that would be or take your keyboard with you every day that would get really irritating so like i said we, we do hot glue those into place um it would be inconvenient to have to unsolder all of his and get them back but really uh, we, we leave enough wires in there where a person could just cut really closely to the board and grab a replacement board <clears throat> and then resolder them all back in. So it, it wouldn't be terribly difficult. Yes, it would go faster on mine, but I don't think there is a pro or con either way. I have noticed occasionally that... Sometimes the DuPont connectors are too tall on mine, and I have to modify the case slightly in order to get it to fit or squeeze in perfectly. Or like on the dactyl keyboards, uh, the, the length of them going straight up, I just I can't use DuPont connectors. There. Unfortunately, I have to hardwire those directly in. Uh, other differences between us are trivial. Like I use a copper wire from Ethernet, uh, whereas somebody else might just use um, uh, just straight speaker wire. Mm-hmm. these minor differences and and thankfully with keyboards they're they're pretty forgiving because of the low voltage that's in there and um you know as long as you're not using
0: um, it's got a lot conductor. of resistance it's
1: yeah <laughs> yeah
0: yep. um now i am just going to ask everybody and yourself uh, to uh hang and bear with me i'm going to pause this interview because my daughter's just come in and she's asked me to help her with something so i'm going to hit the pause button now and we'll be right back Alrighty, and we're back. Uh, so, where were we? So, we were just talking about that, you know, there's, there's some small variation in what you use to, to put them together and so on and so forth, um, but I guess there's reassurance that at least people who are going to be purchasing the boards from Okie Caps will still get something that is covered by, I guess, a warranty, a guarantee of some kind anyway, is that the case? Yeah, I'm not sure
1: what Dan has in place for a warranty, but I am aware that he is pretty good about honoring uh, some complaints. In fact, I had one customer send me back a keyboard, and I spent a good two or three days uh, getting it fixed. It ended up being some – actually, the flux that I was using was conductive. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, interesting, so I had to throw away all of that flux and get some new flux on – on the fly and then figure out what components were destroyed and replace those. And thankfully it wasn't a earth shattering thing. And, and the, the gentleman was very understanding of the, the problem, uh, which is yet another reason why I want manufacturers to get into this idea. I mean, yeah, Kinesis is, you know, getting there, but it'd be great if they offered a split keyboard. I mean, they do offer a split keyboard, but one that offers the same ergonomic <laughs> advantages. Uh, and one thing that I did uh, mention to Dan that we are now doing amongst all of the builders is using the, the one U Amoeba switches Mm -hmm. or I'm sorry, the one U Amoeba PCBs. Uh, What, what I really like about them is that uh, if a person needed to replace a switch, uh, if say they wanted to lube it up or replace the switch, maybe it got broke, broken or busted by them. uh, They should just have to unsolder the, the two, uh, the two connectors on the PCB and then push that, that switch out and replace it. Whereas before with them being hardwired in, um, it, it, I did notice that it was a lot more difficult and sometimes there was extra problems that ensued. Uh, like if you went to pull it out, not knowing um, that it was hardwired in place, you could get some of the, the exposed wires to, to touch. <laughs> and as you know, that kind of makes things difficult to make a reliable keyboard if uh, rows and columns are touching each other.
0: Yep, yep. So, it's, you know, I find it really cool that you guys are using the Amoeba, but uh, I suppose I've never actually played with the Amoeba myself. I've seen them and I uh, just haven't had a need or, or, or use for that at the moment. But if if this is a, a long-term, I suppose, development and goal, is there any intention for you guys? Because from what I'm hearing, you while you've got um, that gentleman Designing and making iterative improvements to the standard cases that you offer. What about having actual flexible PCBs made? Because that would certainly reduce a lot of the the build time and the concerns relating to things like having shorts and because then once again once it's put in the customer is always going to be up just simply desolder the switch itself, which is more standard than having to disconnect. Amoeba PCBs, which they might not be familiar with in how that works.
1: Yes, there's been uh, some work that's coming down the pipeline soon by Crystal Hand. He's been, uh, I think, he purchased himself a pretty expensive SLA printer. But what that's allowed him to do is have a much more accurate print, and that has allowed him to play around with it with using the the KL hot swap sockets. Mm-hmm. And and w- in fact, uh, that's a pretty popular post on on Reddit, or <laughs> popular in my opinion at least and he has a youtube video demonstrating how well they work and i'm actually really looking forward to using those as as much as i really like using the the pcb your concern of having the customer go in and just simply desolder the switch can be a daunting task, especially if you don't own the same equipment that I uh, have. And then, who's to say that this, the the solder that you use or the flux that you use is going to have the same problems that I had to deal with? And, and now, all of a sudden, you have a shorting key, mm-hmm. or you know, yeah. you you've now destroyed your pro micro because you shorted out too many things, or you have. You know, the, the list of problems could go on sure. from what a customer might to do. So if there's the, the things that could fail that are easily replaceable by the customer, I believe will go in a long way make making a much better and reliable product for the customer. Getting flexible PCBs, yes, that would be fantastic. I haven't seen a, a good costing option for that yet. But that's not to say that uh, if someone did the math to figure out how much we could save on this, uh, in the long run, uh, you know, if that would if that would offset the, the cost of the upfront thing and the quantity that you'd have to buy to get it. Uh, I believe the majority of the tweaking by Crystal Hand is done, and now it's just small little tweaks here and there to, to make things work better, um, such as I think he has a revision coming out that puts the TRRS jack a little bit closer to the, Flush with the, the side of the case so that you can get a, a larger variety of, of cables that work. We had a, an issue where they got a custom sleeved TRS connector, but the barrel of it was just too thick to reach. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm to get fully inserted into the socket and therefore they now their split keyboard is now only one side keyboard <laughs> uh, that was unfortunate but we were able to work through that issue uh we were able to just make the, the the hole a little bit bigger so that they could get their their jack in there but in the end you know Chris, crystalline just made a nice little improvement to it to to get that fixed um yeah, that's really all i got to say about, no, <laughs> about no, that,
0: that, that, I think. That's, yeah, uh, I mean, I suppose if you to go down that flexible PCB path, obviously the higher volumes that you purchase will reduce the price, but then you have to think about the man hours involved. If you're talking about five to ten hours, depending on the complexity of the build and your distraction factor, if there's a PCB and you could, you know, screw the PCB in place and then drop in the switches, well, especially if you're just going to be soldering, say, hot swap sockets to it, then... You could cut that dramatically because then it's just a matter of having, say, even a header row with a wire loom. You know, if you used, say, an IDE or a parallel port ribbon cable and you put that in, bam, like, you know, 10 minutes later, it's done, especially if you're using these uh, DuPont connectors and stuff like that. Yeah,
1: a lot of those concerns are stuff that manufacturers, I believe, will have a lot better resources to, to take care of it. Sure. <laughs> I, I keep stressing that because I, I, as much as I like building these keyboards as a hobby, I really ch- and truly honestly believe that this needs to get in the hand of most people. I don't think it's fair for our kids and our children's children to have to deal with RSI and carpal tunnel for something that is – easily replaceable (laughs) we have so much technology at our hands to be able to literally (laughs) to be able to design something that doesn't cause these problems and nobody is taking the time they would much rather spend the 600 dollars on that fancy 60 percent keyboard with every artist with every key being (laughs) artist in keycaps you know what i mean it's just it really gets under my skin (laughs) it's, it's a
0: really interesting debate because like we had sort of discussed at the start of this you know i've never actually experienced pain or what i would really call discomfort only tiredness from using heavy switches and i do an extensive amount of typing but certainly not as much as say somebody who would be a professional coder or you know somebody who would be writing a lot of content now that kind of drives the the requirement for people to even think about needing something that is not a standard non-ergonomic layout so There kind of needs to be an understanding first of the market space because, well, companies won't invest, obviously, if they're not going to make a profit. And and if the population out there is not clamoring and saying, oh, hang on a moment, we've got a very high percentage of carpal tunnel or RSI incidents, then obviously this is going to be less of an issue. And now that touchscreen technology on phones and things like that with tiny little keyboards where people can just swipe to to use predictive (laughs) text... And then you got Surface mm-hmm. tablets and stuff like that. Similarly, it's it's really interesting because my dad, you know, he's uh, 83, and he knows about my hobby of keyboards. And he asks, "Well, where's this going to go?" Because a keyboard is a keyboard, right? You know, you already get people who are using 3D, um, not 3D, uh, like virtual keyboards, right? And yes. and you know, Surface hand gestures and stuff like that, like as an input device goes, is it that much of a problem if in the future keyboards aren't even going to be a standard way of inputting?
1: Yeah, uh, that's funny. I actually had the same discussion with my my oldest daughter's um, uh, teacher because I had asked her that. I showed her the, the picture of the keyboard that I build and the one that I was contemplating buying for my daughter, which it's funny that you, you brought up the brought up key bio. Cause I just bought their Iris revision 4 that just came out, which now supports chalk switches. Mm-hmm. Super excited about that. Uh, and her keyboard came in and Like a day or two after, we ended up having a conversation with the teacher that she – the teacher wanted the students to become better at typing. And I was like, oh, well, great. This is a perfect opportunity to teach my daughter how to type. Well, the teacher didn't mean typing on a keyboard. She meant typing on the iPads because all of the students have iPads. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that completely changes everything. <laughs> like, I And here I was going through like all the questions with my daughter, like, well, do you like clicky switches or tactile switches or linear switches? Do you like low profile, high profile? And now it doesn't even matter. I'm like, oh, you know, and, and for a lot of the people out there who do a lot of texting or, or, or uh, typing on a virtual keyboard – You know, there's a lot of emoji uh, emoji icons that are going in there, GIFs, um, Mm -hmm. you know, there's getting to be a lot less typing and our our search capabilities uh, from various different search providers are getting so much better where even if you completely mess up a word, it's like, I think you possibly meant this, which is kind of related to your search history. uh, That predictive text that you mentioned, you know, all of these things are helping to reduce the amount of typing that we're doing. However, those who do have the the profession, uh such as me and or many of the other uh uh managers well, basically a lot of professions require some type of input on a on a computer. Yep, yep.
0: Um, well there's you know, still
1: it s- Yeah. Yeah, uh, and there's going to be that debate for quite some time uh you know we think of the the movie Endersgate where or not Ender's Gate, um Oh, I can't remember, but they, all of the students in the class basically had a glass top and they were able to place their hands down and just start typing. Mm-hmm. And I think even that as a developer, I don't think that's terribly difficult. We, we know where your fingers are being pressed and a lot of your Apple products have uh, 10 point recognition. Uh, so if you just place your hands down and now that's your home row. You can literally place your hands in any comfortable position, Mm -hmm. and if it's hurting you one day, well, switch your hand to a a weird, awkward position, and you can continue typing as if nothing had changed because the computer can recognize where your hands are placed now. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, there there is something to be said about that. (laughs) The virtual keyboards, they they do offer something that that your 3D printed and physical keyboards can't offer, and the – it, the ability to change and customize on the fly with virtual keyboards definitely that would probably speak better to the wallets of, of a lot of your manufacturers out there.
0: well yes for for big companies but I guess at least we can be quite thankful that with things like open source and community sharing and stuff like that you know there there is actually a lot more ergonomic boards happening out there you know, even on our slack we were talking about this because when campbell had requested me chat with you we had talked about is there a subculture of people for ergonomic boards and apparently there is and i wasn't even aware of it and i've designed an ergonomic keyboard that i use at work you know and it was just like whoa like that's another rabbit hole right there uh-huh. uh, so yeah i think it's really great that we are being more cognizant and being aware of that and driving and trying to get people educated. Because everybody who rocks up to my desk, when they see my keyboard, they're like, whoa, like, what's that?
1: (laughs) How do you type on that thing?
0: (laughs) Well, that's that's usually the first question. And then the second question is, why do you have pink (laughs) keycaps? See, because it's a non-standard layout, which means standard sets don't fit on it. And (laughs) uh, I actually have this Akko World Tour Tokyo key set that, Perfectly fits because it had spare novelty 2U and uh, 225Us, as well as some extra 1Us that were just novelties. And I was able to slot them into my extra key spaces. So it was like, hey, this this worked out beautifully. Uh, But it, it gives people that thought hang on a moment, could such a simple device that we're so accustomed to have? extra direction to go because people go why is it like that and i show them and i talk to them you know like the the wrist positions and you know you're talking about pronation of of your hands and your wrists and things like that now for those who aren't familiar pronation supination is related to the angle and rotation of your body parts Um, and so if you're angled if you're looking at your arm and you're just holding out straight that should be in the neutral position whereas the pronation and the supination is regards to the rotation, and and that's not good. You always want to be in that neutral, straight alignment. Uh, and shoulder width is also one. So split keyboards is really great for us because we can move them apart or together as much as we like to get the right angle and comfort. Now, I don't know about you, uh, but I have uh, like a 104 chest size. I think that's like a a 36 inch shirt size Uh, and i don't think that i'm terribly broad-shouldered but i know that my chest spacing is significantly different to say somebody who is going to be much smaller and so if you have a fixed keyboard position you know the the width between your your shoulders means your wrist position changes a lot and that's where having your split keyboard you know that's not fixed in any way They can adjust that spacing and it becomes automatically comfortable for their use.
1: Yeah, uh, the first time I was asked why I have a split keyboard, my reply was, imagine I'm at home working, which happens fairly frequently, so they're aware that I did that. And now imagine I'm on my recliner sofa and I (laughs) lean back (laughs) and I got these two huge arms just sitting there because my hands are propped on top of my belly Trying my best to hold up a key by uh, my, my laptop and work, and I, you know, I'm showing them how my hands and arms and everything is situated. Like, you know, I'm, I'm starting to lo- look a little bit like Gollum. <laughs> I was like, now let's put my keyboards on my armrest because it's a split keyboard and I can do that. Now, how how do I look? They're like, wow, you look super comfy. I'm like, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> You understand well, why I have a split keyboard, and that was a that was one of the coolest features uh, of it. Uh, I guess a byproduct. I wasn't really interested in the fact that I could work on my couch, <laughs> but I really liked the idea of you know if if it's just too close together, I can fix that. If somebody else wants to try my keyboard and they need to adjust it for their shoulder position, they can do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I noticed too with the the split keyboard, it has gotten a lot more natural to put my mouse in the middle of my split keys, and I've noticed that quite of other uh, a number of people are doing the same thing. Uh, gaming, uh, the benefits of having a split keyboard there are actually quite a bit because now instead of having this really wide stance with your arms, you know, if you have a typical, uh, hundred percent layout keyboard and then your mouse and your super big gaming pad, your arms are pretty well stretched out while trying to game, which can lead to shoulder problems, uh, especially like in your rotator cup. Well, bring it b- with a split keyboard, now you have your left hand and you replace the right hand key with your mouse and you're now at a natural position. Mm -hmm. Uh, So yeah, those split keyboards are, I think should be more standardized, but yeah, (laughs) there's a lot more cost with a split keyboard. I can understand
0: that. But, you know, even in the last two years, I think we've definitely seen a lot more vendors come through. Yeah, even big names like Mistel, for example, with the Barocco series. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, and Kinesis having their uh, edge keyboard, uh, especially marketed towards the gaming community um you know we've also started to see uh small groups come up and do really successful builds and releases like the ultimate hacking keyboard group mm-hmm. um, so i think I think the path is there it's been paved it's been paved very slowly, and we just kind of need the momentum from. Either the adoption by a very large group of people uh, to really start nudging it over and making people think, you know, if if say like Linus Tech Tips were to pick up one of the ergonomic keyboards and actually tout it, and then another you know YouTuber or very influential person within the tech community was to go through that, then that would start to get even more of that momentum rolling because people will start going in. I know that. For example, Ducky keyboards. Are you familiar with the brand? Yes, I am. So with Ducky keyboards, they were very small in regards to their market share until a Fortnite player actually mm-hmm. bought one of their keyboards on his own back. They didn't even they didn't even ask him to go and do anything of that nature, and he gave it a fantastic review and was just like, "Hey, I have this Ducky keyboard," and bam, they saw their sales rocket through the roof mm-hmm. because of that one individual person. So I think it's really more that, uh, you know, if we want that growth and development in a particular space, we have to make a good case for it. But mm-hmm. we also have to make a good case for it because the aesthetics is really important. <laughs> um, and, <laughs> it really Yeah, and, and it's interesting because, you know, we talked about the print times, right? Like I have a 3D printer and anything that's over like four or five hours really annoys me because... I don't trust my printer. I I do not trust my printer to run when I'm not here or if I'm sleeping, at all. Right. Yeah. So to run a twenty hour print and whatnot, like I know there's lots of people who have safety systems and they have them inside enclosed cabinets. I even so, in my my workspace and network, they used to have a 3D printing sort of uh, folder in Outlook, so people would go in there and actually post stuff. And some guy even had an automatic fire extinguishing system hooked up inside a server cabinet for his 3D printer because he had a bad experience where it actually caught on fire. Wow. So he had a thermal runaway on the actual controller board because it was this cheap Chinese thing. And yep. the whole thing caught on fire. You know? Yep. So now he's replaced it, he's fixed it. He has a webcam on a server enclosure with an actual deluge system built into it. And he's like, now he can print whatever he wants because if the over-temp trips, bam, the whole thing is just going to get saturated, right? Yep. So I'm, I'm actually curious to know then, is there direction and move for you guys to maybe get out of the 3D printed space and perhaps have better, higher, customized cases, either milled cases from different materials, which of course has an extra cost, but the, the customers would be aware of that and be willing to wear that, or even simpler options like injected cases, plastic injected cases, or even resin cast cases, because you would probably be also familiar with the Ergodox, right?
1: Yes. In fact, I own one.
0: Sure. So with the Ergodox, the original build was like acrylic and and Mm -hmm. laser cut pieces and then it went to metal cases and now people have like, you know, bamboo cases and you can get the Infinity which is like injected mold cases and Falbotech offer and and all sorts of really fancy stuff in that space and with tenting options and so on and so forth. Is that something that you guys would be thinking to move into?
1: I just had that discussion with Crystal Hand I believe two or three days ago. Uh, There is a local company where I live that they specialize in making molds for injected pieces. I have mixed feelings on the matter. Uh, I would like to see it, but in the same regard, there's a big upfront cost for them to research and make those. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, I mean, but in the end, yes, you have a much better repeatable process. One thing that we've been offering to our customers, though, is a custom tent Angle or right. um, other little customization things that we've been able to do, uh, which is a lot easier when you 3D print them one off. The downside is, yes, it does take longer, and that just goes back into that uh, into that triangle of speed, cost, and uh, performance, as it were. Uh, I would really like to see it get mass produced, and using an injection molding it is in that uh, that way. Uh, or having some sort of uh, metal stamp that could, you know, get the the top and the bottom shells and I can hot glue them together or whatever the process needs to be. There's there's so many moving parts – well, not really moving parts, but there's so many parts to the, the split system. It, it makes it difficult on anybody to make something that is
0: – Customized. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and doing one-offs. I mean, <laughs> if if you did a one-off for a uh, for an injection molded system, now you're down two, three thousand dollars for something that you're only making twenty, thirty dollars profit on. Uh, uh, yes, I, I wish. Uh, there, there are so many. Um, uh, there are options for that. I've, I've seen some major advancements in the 3D printing world. Uh, I just recently saw a video that Thomas Sandler produced where he was talking about the, they're trying to get metal, printing, metal 3D printing uh, a lot more affordable, which I think that would be fantastic if we could start offering metal cases. Uh, I think the rigidity in them… Uh, I guess where that comes from is when you mentioned Linus Tech Tips promoting one, I remember when he promoted the the Kinesis Advantage 2, and mm-hmm. I I watched that one, I think, 20 minutes after it aired, uh, and I was like, I have this one. I had never commented in any of his videos except for that one. I'm like, I have that keyboard. <laughs> uh, and he gave it kind of a poor review because of the build quality, the flex in the thing. He's like, you know, you're paying a premium for this product, well, and there's plastic. flex to it. Yeah. yeah. And then, like, it, you know, people really do like their custom keycaps. Well, good luck trying to find a custom keycap for uh, for an Ergodox, even, or, or the Advantage too. you know, where they have their custom profiles and their custom sizes. And, you know, my delete key is vertical. My backspace key is vertical. My enter key is vertical. My space key, you yep. know, all of these things are vertical, and they're 2U. And or are trying to find the 1.25, you know, trying to find uh, uh, eight of those just lying around of various sizes and shapes with a specific symbol on them. like It gets redonkulously expensive to get a, a fancy keyboard set without going three $400. And now I'm like, well, that's the same price as my keyboard. <laughs> and that's just not affordable for a lot of people. And it'd be nice when a lot of these uh, advancements in their respective fields, whether it be in 3D printing or in uh, prototyping or injection molding, started starting to talk nicer together uh but then that goes back to that whole star trek utopia of you know everything is free because we're all sharing technology and it's a global system of share and love and unfortunately with business being the way it is you know they need to be able to provide for their families as well and that system is just not in the near future unfortunately (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, and I guess you're just going to have to end up in a sort of ecosystem where you manufacture, control everything that is related, that is required, and then that, of course, mm-hmm. will just eventually bring it down to uh, affordability and whatnot as a long-term game plan more than anything else. Yeah. Hmm. Well, you know, I think that's that's been a, a really interesting chat to to see what happens in the background here with Caps and the design and build of these. Now, I just want to touch a bit on the software side of these now all of the boards are programmed in qmk i believe
1: yes you are correct
0: so is there just a sort of standard layout that goes onto the boards or do the customers actually produce a layout on the actual keyboard and then you guys also develop that into and flash the hex for them
1: (laughs) i have offered that i have offered uh if they have a design Uh, a layout that they want that they can't figure out how to build Uh, if they want to send it to me however they want I can uh, flash the hex file for them or at least get them the hex file so they can flash onto their own system Uh, but as it, as uh, the old saying is, you kids don't know what we had to go through to get that back <laughs> in my day.
0: <laughs> back Having in my day, I Q&K, had to <laughs> yeah. I know
1: what you mean. I had to clone it myself and wait for three days for it to compile. And <laughs> uh, QMK has put a lot of effort into making their flashing the hex file more accessible to everybody. Uh, specifically referring to the QMK configurator, mm-hmm. I really like that that uh, their online tool to be able to go in there and. And, and make yourself a nice, um, um, a nice, nice layout for yourself that you can just hit compile and download your hex file straight from the web, uh, and you're able to the output your settings file so you can share it with others or reproduce it or make small iterative changes to it. You know that that's a fantastic feature. Uh, not every single one of the keyboards that we make are up there. Specifically, uh, talking to our Dactyl keyboard. Um, the original Dactyl was designed with a single Pro Micro and using the I/O extender, yep. whereas the ones that we offer uh, have dual. two Pro Micros. Yep, mm. yep, dual Pro Micros. And somebody did branch that and put it into the QMK configurator. However, they didn't include the um, the info.json file, which basically tells the the website um, how does this keyboard look. <laughs> how do you map the keys that you are changing your layout to, to the to the uh, to the config file or i'm sorry to your to your key map file uh, i do have a pull request in for that and i hope it gets submitted soon because uh, that will make it easier for our customers to be able to make their own layout uh but i have offered that <laughs> that's where my offer for that service comes out of you send it to me however you want and i will uh, i will make the hex file for you and send it out i'm usually pretty quick to get a hold of through discord or through email so uh, but, yeah, that, that's where I tell everybody to go to. I, I get the default hex file from the QMK configurator, flash it on there. Uh, naturally, I have my own hex file that I use for testing purposes because the default one doesn't work for me mm-hmm. anymore. I've customized it throughout the years. Uh, and then I make sure that it has a reset button on there, or the the, the manual reset button. So they can – I keep saying manual. Sorry, well, the I virtual mean, reset a... button on, right, on so there. So you've
0: got the soft reset available. <laughs>
1: There you go. Soft reset. Yes, that's what I. Uh, because, uh, funny enough, not all the default ones have a soft reset available. And
0: uh, want it's a, open up the We're getting there. And press a button.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. That's actually one of the iterations that uh, Crystal Hand incorporated. He, we now start. We have a reset button now on the back at, of the dactyl and on the bottom of the manuform uh, keyboard. So you have a, a small reset button that you can use with a pen <laughs> to reset it yourself if you need to.
0: <laughs> well, my very early. Uh, hand wire and pcb designs didn't have a reset switch and so what i did on mine was i 3d printed cases that had a hole on the side of the Uh, case where you could put a screwdriver through it to touch the two pins to short the pro micro (laughs) so you look at all of the stuff that i designed, and they've just got this random hole in the side and people are like what's with that and i was like so you can reset it
1: <laughs> oh, that's funny. A coworker of mine, he three D printed the ergodox on, uh, and when he had to make a hole for his. For his um, teensy, he had a uh, he used a lighter and a paperclip and burnt oh, a hole.
0: Right,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what happened here? It looks like it's scorched. She's like, yeah, <laughs> I used a, a lighter and a paperclip and burnt through my case, so I could reset the teensy. <laughs> well,
0: it's better than taking a drill and going through. <laughs> yep. Oh dear. All right. Well, that's 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 really cool. Um, so. We're sort of getting towards the end of a typical episode length for us, Uh, and I want to wrap up on some things in regards to just the board podcast things, and we always do a monthly giveaway, and we have uh, a bunch of prizes. So for November, uh, we've got obviously our usual kit from Kibio, thanks to uh, Danny from Kibio. We have from DIY Keyboards, a HHKB USB port cover and foam feet set, so obviously if you don't own a hhkb and you win that you can always you know pass it along you know or sell it do whatever you like and then for our third prize is a the board podcast lapel pin and depending on when my stickers come in uh, you might be lucky and get one of those as well now i haven't actually got anything in mind yet for november but i do want to say it is now movember and this is my seventh year in doing movember supporting men's health because 48% of this globe is uh, male by birth doesn't matter what on earth you identify as your genome says there are certain conditions that you are going to be predisposed to have a higher risk of so if you'd like to support my Movember campaign there obviously will be a link in the show notes below and you've got all month to get involved with that and I want to have our monthly giveaway related to Movember in some way. Now, for the month of October, we did a keyboard census and we got an okay number of responses. Now, I only got 25 responses, which at least statistically speaking could give you a bell curve, a a normalized curve, but that is less than 10% of our audience that listened to the podcast. Um, So for those who didn't get involved, uh, you know, it's a bit of a pity that you didn't get involved, but that's okay. And thank you, of course, to the 25 people who actually did submit. So we're going to draw our three prizes for October, which of course is a Keybo kit. And it's a Switch star from DIY keyboards plus a lapel pin from the board podcast. So now, because I actually have a guest here with Ert, I'm going to ask Ert to give me three random numbers between 1 and 25. And we'll go with first second and third prize in that order so uh, if you would like to give me the first number out of 25.
1: let's go with 13.
0: 13 so congratulations to jfieber f-i-e-b-e-r i'm just going to note that down you have yourself a kit from kibio i will be get in touch with all of you guys who win, of course, very shortly through the emails that you've left. Second place. 24. 24. So, Mr. 24 is Logan with no surname, but I've got an email, so that'll work out just fine. Uh, Logan and not Ligan. Okay, and third place. Lucky dip draw.
1: My favorite number, three
0: three and it is Eric also with no surname <laughs> <laughs> but that's all good uh, i do have email so we'll be able to get in contact with you uh so yeah thank you very much for participating everybody and i will of course take some time to go through the results and try and compile something sensible and then we'll release that and you can all check out what other people do within the mechanical keyboard community that listen to our podcast series. So I guess coming in to wrap up for the episode, um, I want to say thank you very much uh, for coming along and having a really great chat. Really appreciate it. Uh,
1: Thank you for having me. I've been enjoying my time very much.
0: Now, is there anything that you would like to mention or say shout out in regards to your own work, uh, to your supporters, fans, O, keycaps, so on and so forth?
1: Uh uh off the guard? No, I, I I actually don't say that I can think of anything to shout them out.
0: <laughs> uh now for OK Caps you guys have a website? Yes,
1: it's uh okcaps.com. Okay. And in there you can see and see so that's O-H-K-E-Y-C-A-P-S dot com. And you'll be greeted with a nice little forty percent keyboard in the front. But in there the top row, you can get your pre-built dactyl keyboard. You can order those, and we are quite a bit backed up, hence why we have three builders now instead of one. And we're hoping to, you know, if you're in the, the northwest side of uh the United States and you have experience building some keyboards maybe might want to drop us uh, join our discord and and uh, see if you can't help us out in some way.
0: Okay fantastic so you've heard it there from Ert go check out the website if you're interested in getting a custom built and if Ert is the lucky person who's going to be putting yours together also custom flashed uh, layout onto your keyboard Uh, plus of course you should be able to find links to the discord there on that site too right? Correct. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. All right. Um, yeah, I think uh, we'll we'll finish it there. It's been a really fantastic chat. I, too, have also had a great time. Thank you very much, Ert, for that. <sighs> You're welcome. <laughs> Enjoyed myself, too. All right. Well, uh, thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode of The Board. And, of course, as usual, until next time, happy clacking.